Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Penny, I could die. If you died, you'd forget me. I want to be remembered. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? I'll just come up sometime and see me. I'm home every evening. Ah, the voice of Mae West. An interesting documentary about whom I saw only recently. James Cameron Wilson, though, is here now to tell us about current movies. I can be fairly sure that uh, Mae West will be starring in none of those that we're looking at today, James. So where do we begin? How is the UK box office looking? Well, last week, Simon, it was up 4.2%. And according to the British Films Institute, it's gone up another 4.2% from the previous weekend. So I don't know if that's a, a literal, but let's celebrate it. Quite unlikely that it's going to be exactly the same two weeks running, but who knows? But you did say it was up significantly on the year before, of course. Didn't well, you? yes, it was up uh, by 48.4% up from the mm. previous year, which last weekend it was also... 48.4% up from the previous year. So I think maybe somebody made a gaffe at the British Film Institute. But let's celebrate the fact we've got a huge new film at number one. Well, we shall, especially as the year. forecast. I don't know if you've looked, but the forecast for the next sort of week and a half is um, unrelenting sunshine and incredible heat, which, as we know, may work well in America, but doesn't tend to work as well in the UK. This is very true. Uh, we do have a new film at number one, which is called... Mm -hmm. Minions, The Rise of Gru, which took 10.4 million quid. Now, I know how much you love the Minions, so I'm interested to hear what, the, what you're going to say now. Well, when I last saw Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren together in the rather exciting and not unfunny Universal Soldier some 30 years ago, I never dreamt that the next time I would hear the distinctive accents of the muscles from Brussels and the He-Man from Sweden would be on the soundtrack of the fifth Minions film. But here they are playing Jean-Claude, as in a man with a giant claw, mm. and Svengeance, both members of the Vicious Six, a criminal organisation situated in the basement of a record shop. However... Once the gang have disposed of their eldest member, Wild Knuckles, voiced by Alan Arkin, they need another member and set up a series of auditions. Mm. Cue for an appearance by an 11-year-old Gru. Now, let me backtrack a little. The Minions first appeared in the film Despicable Me, in which Steve Carell voiced Gru a man with a spike for a nose who was hell-bent on becoming the most evil supervillain the world has ever known. Well, despite my critical misgivings, the film went on to gross $543 million worldwide and spawned Despicable Me 2 and the origin story of the Minions, 
called Minions, which went on to gross over a billion dollars. Then there was Despicable Me 3, and now the series has become the highest grossing animation franchise in human history, which shows you what I know. But then I am not a fan of the Jackass brand, nor this country's top-selling newspaper, the Daily Mail. So now we have the second prequel to the Despicable Me phenomenon, Minions, The Rise of Gru. And in spite of the new surge in Omicron cases, the hot weather and the crippling cost of living crisis, the cinema was packed. Mm. And it was my, my worst experience in a public auditorium <laughs> all year. There is something about the message of the Minions films that lying, stealing and punching your neighbour is not only perfectly acceptable, but hugely funny. That infected the audience I saw the film with. Missiles were flying over the seats, and once the pen I was actually oh. writing my notes with was hit out of my hand by something quite sharp. Of course, I'm sure you've heard of the recent furor surrounding the TikTok minion meme, mm, yep. where hordes of young gentlemen, uh, gentle minions they're called, turn up in suits. And when I turned up at the screening, I was warned that they had to throw some people out who came dressed up as minions and they said they were very rowdy and he said but it looks like there doesn't appear to be any minions in the screening mm -hmm. that you're attending but the whole message of the film I, I, I think is sinking through what is astounding about the film I, I think more than the film itself is which is of course cultural rat poison is that the British Board of Film Classification has given it a U certificate for mild comic violence, very mild, scary scenes, and rude humour. I might add that there is one scene of a character being tortured and several of other characters being set on fire, while the general tone of the film is akin to pornography for kids with bad behaviour instead of sex. I know everybody has a different sense of humour, but I have always been drawn to wit over slapstick for the sake of it. Mm. And I also like my comedies to make some sort of sense. So when, for instance, the Mona Lisa is stolen from a, a vault in San Francisco, I just lost the will to live because I know the Mona Lisa doesn't live in San Francisco. Mm. The fun part about Minions, The Rise of Gru, is the year in which it is set with which it makes enormous play. There is one sequence in which the Minions try to get into Jaws so I put it at around 1975. Of course, when it opened, Jaws was a huge success. So the Minions find the cinema full and they can't get in. But being Minions, they chuck an industrial-sized stink bomb into the auditorium, empty the house, and watch the film. After it has started, I might add, wearing gas masks. Nothing makes sense, but then I don't think that will bother your average five-year-old. Mm. I just wished I was next door watching Pixar's Lightyear. Which you didn't like either. Well, <laughs> it was Pixar. It was so, it compared to the rise of Gru, which is just nonsensical squeaking on helium throughout mm. the entire thing. It just didn't make any sense. And it was so violent and offensive and smutty. And why is this a you? It's, it's telling, I mean, as we've seen from all the news stories, 
started by this TikTok meme. Mm. I mean, I, I think one cinema had to reimburse the audience to the tune of £1,300 because mm. audiences just complained. It's creating bedlam. Yes. I'm trying to think of the last time we had bedlam in, in cinemas. I mean, really, it goes back to Blackboard Jungle and stuff like that, doesn't oh it? Oh, my I mean, God. We had, that is going have, back. Have we had stuff? Like, well, maybe, no, maybe quadrophenia was, but I can't remember. I'm trying to think when there's actually been such disturbances in cinemas. I'm sure it must have happened, and I've just not noticed or not wanted to go to those particular films. Yes, I will have to think on Good point. Good point. The one that comes to mind certainly is when rock and roll was first introduced in, um, you know, and they used to tear up the seats. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I suppose it's not quite that bad, but uh, uh, you managed to find your pen in the dark, then I hope. Yeah, I turn my um, phone on. Oh, poor thing. Oh, dear. And then oh, I suddenly realised I saw all these missiles flying over the auditorium, and, and it was packed. But there wasn't a lot of laughter, and there was a few very young children around me who hmm. occasionally giggled. But I found it a real endurance test. It's not really my cup of soda. It'll be interesting to see whether anybody else um, has a go at the BBFC then for their laxness of their um, certificate. Um, but well, then, as we a... have discussed before, the big studios seem to get away with a lot more than independent filmmakers. It is a PG in the United States, which I think is probably more appropriate. Yes. Yes. My, I can't remember what film it was. I was in the States once seeing a film that I considered a very adult sort of thing. And because it was something like, I presume the equivalent of the PG, but there were children who'd come with their parents who were just sort of running up and down the aisle because it wasn't their sort of film at all. Mm. But they were allowed in with an adult. Yeah. I wouldn't have let them anywhere near it. I can't remember the film now, but it was quite extraordinary because, you know, it was a bit distracting to have children running up and down the aisle. Yes, I do prefer to see films in the United Kingdom as opposed to the United States. Because yeah, yes. audience participation sometimes goes over the top <laughs> in the US. Yes, yes. I haven't known it for many years, but even 20 or 30 years ago, that was the case. Um, okay, James, so we better whiz down the, the, the chart then. Or well, perhaps, indeed. Well, perhaps we should take a break first. Maybe that would be more sensible. Let's do that. Let's just have a pause. You've been talking um, nonstop about a topic you really obviously didn't care for in the first place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is the business of film. I'm Simon Rose in conversation with James Cameron Wilson, who's been enduring Minions, The Rise of Gru, which is a new number one. How much should it take, James? I can't remember. 10.4 million pounds. Wow. But bear in mind, the original Minions took 11.6 million. So not quite as much. That's the first time rhyme. So hopefully after 10 more sequels, it, it, it'll <laughs> run out of steam. Okay. So what's number two then? Number two was last week's number one, which is Elvis Baz Luhrmann's tribute to the King of Rock and Roll, which made 3 million last weekend, down 27%, which is not bad, which is, of course, about the blonde-haired morgue tourist 
has now got a total of 10.2 million. I should, I should maybe explain that, but Elvis Presley, one of his hobbies was visiting morgues, which um, I found out on Radio 4's The Unbelievable Truth. And mm-hmm. he was also a, a genuine blonde, which I didn't know. But all the good things about Elvis are on show, but the bad things in the film are sort of mm-hmm. swept mm-hmm. under the carpet. It is an amazing, entertaining, very long, exhausting film to watch. Doesn't work entirely. I did much prefer the film at number three, which is Top Gun Maverick, which was at number three last week with 2.7 million, doing really well, only down 21%. Mm-hmm. A total of £68 million since it opened. At number four, we've got Jurassic World Dominion, which was at number two, down 47% with 1.8 million. So the top four films are all performing very well. So Jurassic World Dominion now has a total of 30.4 million. At five, we've got Lightyear. Yay! Even better than The Rise of Gru, down 62%. <laughs> One of Pixar's duds, I have to say. An amazing track record, but Lightyear just didn't really do it for me, with a total of 8.5 million. At number six, we've got The Black Phone, which is a very sinister film with Ethan Hawke, which was at number five, down 58%, with a total of 2.6 million. Number seven, which I still haven't seen, but I now know that my critic for my website is giving it three and a half stars for Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack in Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, Grand, down 41%. What's the maximum, four or five? Five on my website. So three and a half from five, okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Uh, Number eight, we've got Jug Jug Jayo, which was at number six, which is a very long Indian marital comedy drama down 61%. Number nine, a film that you absolutely hooted at, everything, everywhere, and all at once, Mm. which was at number eight, down 21%, which is holding really well, considering the budget. The fact it's made five million in this country alone. How many? That must have been in the charts seven or eight weeks now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's still hanging on. I'm pleased. And at number 10, we have a new film called Nitram, at 59 cinemas, which is an Australian drama based on real events, in particular, the psychological imbalance of Martin Bryant. And if you spell Martin backwards, you get Nitram, hence the title, played here by Caleb Landry Jones in a performance that won him the Best Actor Award at last year's Cannes Mm. Film Festival. Also starring Judy Davis as his Mm. mother, Essie Davis and Anthony LaPaglia with Justin Cazell directing. This is a film I'd really like to see. I will look out for it. Yes, it's a shame when it's hard to get to see films that you do want to see. It's a great shame. I suppose at least there are other possibilities now. I mean, the day was, I suppose, if you weren't living in one of the big metropolitan cities, it was impossible to see almost anything art house. This is true. But there are so many streaming platforms now. That you yes, should, yes. But as I'm sure it, you will then, tell me, always better to see it in the cinema. Well, of course. Uh, well, so I did go to Netflix and I did see The Man from Toronto. Characters like Teddy Jackson, of course, only exist in the movies, or rather Kevin Hart movies. Mm. This is a guy with a limited vocabulary and an unlimited reserve of optimism. Thanks to his wife's gig at a law firm, he and Laurie live in a nice house while Teddy uploads a series of videos highlighting new inventions for the gym. 
such as the Teddy Band and the Teddy Bar and the Teddy Burn, and is thrilled that he gets three comments online in three years. He's the sort of guy who, when he wants some intimacy with his wife, refers to sex as baby-making time, which can hardly be the most erotic mm. turn-on. Anyway, when Teddy's latest wheeze goes pear-shaped, he decides to treat his wife to a very special birthday, books her into a spa and hires an Airbnb in the woods. But because Teddy is so inept at everything, he turns up at the wrong cabin in the woods, armed with champagne, flowers, various groceries, and a kitchen knife. This is actually the venue for the man from Toronto's display of finesse with extracting information out of criminal hostages. In an earlier sequence, we see him, the man from Toronto, played by Woody Harrelson, mm -hmm. at work in a cabin in Utah, and the establishing shot is accompanied by the traditional scream of an eagle, which is such a movie cliche. Yes. Uh, then he turns up in the doorway in shades and a wide-brimmed hat to add Hollywood menace. And sure enough, with his alarming collection of knives, he obtains the information he needs from a poor man tied to a chair who has already managed to remain stum after two days of torture. Yep, the man from Toronto knows how to get a guy to talk. Well, when, when, it, when Teddy turns up at the cabin with an aubergine and a cheese grater, the bad guys presume he must be really innovative in spite of his diminutive stature. Mm. In short, this is a case of mistaken identity, which is dragged out as the FBI closes in on the two men and Teddy and the man from Toronto are for forced to work together. But now, interestingly, the title role was originally intended for Jason Statham, and I think that would have made a much better match or mismatch. There's something about Woody Harrelson that just isn't that scary. But the real problem with the film is that neither Kevin Hart nor Woody Harrelson represent any variation of a human being. Nobody is really as inept as Teddy Jackson, nor anybody as cold-blooded or bulletproof as the man from Toronto. Consequently, yes. it's hard to care or even to laugh. It's also so over the top and cartoonish that mm. none of it really resonates. I just give you yeah, I was going to say, and Harrison can do menacing, but of course, you, you, if you against Kevin Hart, all you're going to think is, well, he was Woody in Cheers. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But I mean, to give you an idea of the sort of wit, there, there is a line that I jotted down um, where Kevin Hart says, what is my part in this mission? And Harrison said two parts, actually. First part is, shut up or I'll kill you. Second part is, don't forget the first part. Mm, I did gosh. not guffaw. Mm. No, I would be surprised if we went. I mean, it's odd because the premise sounds pretty much like a, a throwaway sight gag in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you think somebody's going to get tortured by the, the, the Nazi, who actually is just, just actually bringing out a, a, a portable clothes hanger. Maybe it was inspired by that. Yeah. yeah. Which is a very good gag, no matter how many times you watch the movie, but it just, they don't make a whole film out of it. Okay. Well, oh, with most of horrible. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it's not as bad as what I'm about to talk to you about now. Oh, uh, with most distributors scurrying for the hills as the minions and their followers take over the multiplex, I once again turn to Netflix for sucker, hoping to find something mm. as binge worthy as Hustle or Toscana, or even Along for the Ride, which I enjoyed in spite of myself, 
all on Netflix. Mm. Well, it really does feel like the silly season, both in the cinema and online. The Norwegian sci-fi comedy Blasted was getting some push on the streaming giant, so I decided to give it a go, particularly as Norway had won me around with the worst person in the world. Mm. Well, do you remember the Mel Smith, Griff Reese jones comedy, Morons, Morons from, from Outer, outer space. space? Yes, hard to wipe from one's mind. Not yeah. particularly entertaining, but watchable, I suppose, if I remember rightly. Well, I won't use up va valuable broad width with explaining how bad Blasted is. Except oh. to say there are a lot of nerds, a lot of aliens, and a lot of very silly sound effects. Amazingly, I watched it to the end, but then I always do. And while we're on the subject of sci-fi, Simon, you may be aware that after a wait of 13 years, the sequel to what was once the highest grossing film of all time, James Cameron's Avatar, mm. is almost upon us. Avatar, the way of water, come December the 16th. So it seemed to make sense to revisit the original Avatar after all these years. Can I just interrupt for a second? So that's all you're saying about Blasted? Just yeah. really terrible? There's no point. There's no point in talking okay, about it. Okay, fine. No, I, I mean, just want to you want me to... Yeah. So, no, no. So would you suggest people with a bent for sci-fi comedy go and watch more in some other space, or it's as bad as, or even worse than? Um, I kept on thinking when I was watching it, why was Shaun of the Dead so funny? And why is this so bad? I think it's so bad is because everybody is overacting. Nothing makes any sense. The music is just pushing the boundaries. Mm. It was fairly intolerable, but I did love the scenery. And I think that's all. <laughs> well, you could have watched that with the sound sound down. I suppose a sci-fi comedy. I, mean, I, I would think of Dark Star, of course, but I haven't seen that for about 10 years. So don't know how well it holds up. Um, Galaxy Quest. Oh, Galaxy Quest is fantastic. Say yes. no more. Yes, that is one of the but I have now seen it too often. The last time I saw it, everything was a little bit too familiar. But okay, yes. I've only seen it once, but I just absolutely yeah. loved it. So I decided to watch Avatar to get mm. in the mood for December the 16th. And when I first saw Avatar 13 years ago, almost 13 years ago, I was impressed, but I think I was so taken up with the 3D and the technology of it. But mm. watching it again, I, I really, really loved it. It was oh, so intriguing. ahead of its time. Not, I mean, you know how many years he spent, and some estimates, including marketing, put the budget as high as 460 million. So it was just as well that it became the highest grossing film of all time. And of course, you know what trouble James Cameron had making Titanic, and they thought mm -hmm. it was going to sink 20th Century Fox, but then that became the highest grossing film of all time. But seeing Avatar again, it was, it's like a remake of Dances with Wolves. So you've got this lone soldier who leaves his own regiment to go out onto a new frontier. And then he starts infiltrating the indigenous people, falls in love with what was known back then as a squaw, played by Zoe Saldana, who incidentally, do you know that Zoe Saldana is the only star to feature predominantly in the five top grossing films of all time? I did not. And in each of those films, she is blue-skinned. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Gamora in Avengers Infinity War. Gamora, again, she played in 
Avengers Endgame, and she plays, of course, a Navi, uh, a blue-skinned indigenous person in Avatar. And she's in all top five. They're all in the top five highest-grossing films of all, all time. And no other actor, male or female, has achieved that. So mm -hmm. I do recommend going back to Avatar. And the fact that they discover this amazing forest on Pandora, this planet that man tries to mine uh, at the, well, just demolishing the inhabitants. And yet they say things like all the trees communicate with each other underground. This is long before Suzanne Simard made her incredible thesis where she proved actually that trees do communicate mm. with each other through the roots and through fungi underground. And it, from an ecological point of view, never mind a technological point of view, it was really ahead of its time. And it moved me far more. So clearly your film of the week then is a rather old, old film than is, is, um, is Avatar. What a I'm terrible week you really, had apart from that. But well, it's really out in December for sequel. the sequel. Okay. Yeah, the Way Smash of Water. James, thank you very much. That's James Cameron Wilson, who will be back with more business of film at the same time next week. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. I am big. It's the picture that got small. <laughs>